Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. show tonight. Uh, but first I want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro. Please search him out on the internet. As a native storyteller, he and his wife are preserving history in a very unique way in a tradition that everybody should be aware of because it reminds us of the magic that was in our past and, and I think a better way of preserving history than putting stuff in textbooks. People remember it more anyhow for sure. Tonight, Mary Joyce, editor of Sky Ships Over Cashiers, is back with me tonight to further enhance our understanding of the unusual and profound happenings here on the planet Earth. She's one of my favorites. She has worked for two major metropolitan newspapers, the Orlando Sentinel in Florida, as an artist and columnist, and the Oakland Press in Michigan as a Sunday magazine editor and then feature editor. On the side, she's written magazine articles and books, and since 2008, she's been the main researcher and editor for the Sky Ships Over Cashiers website, which features a wide variety of cutting-edge topics, from UFOs to secret underground bases, from Bigfoot to Cherokee Little People, which we're going to be talking about tonight. Mary has gone from investigating mob stories in Detroit, including Jimmy Hoffa's death, to interviewing people with the highest top-secret clearances about clandestine government activities. She's even had a face-to-face -face interview with a whistleblower with cosmic top-secret clearance who once worked with the top tier of the infamous International Cabal. And because her, of her website and books, she's been a frequent guest on radio and TV shows in the USA, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, and of course here at Nightlight. You can find her amazing website at www.skyshipsovercashiers.com. I highly, highly recommend it. It's a place where you can get lost. Please, please visit it after the show, of course. Um, you'll find it as intriguing and interesting as, as I have, and you can get lost in the archives, and she's got over a decade of archives there that you can plow through and find enlightenment in all sorts of different dark spaces. Not her website, but in your consciousness type stuff. Talking about the little people, 
Now, we've all heard the legends about giants. They've been chronicled and reported for decades here in the U.S., um, you know, chronicled, reported, denied, and proven true, but there. But, but little has been reported on the little people that were so very present in this country with remains that prove the fact that these people actually were a part of our history. Tonight, Mary and I are going to explore some of these amazing people who, as well, were a part of the history of our culture, our evolution, and most probably our future. So I'm glad you're all here, and I'm glad Mary's here, too. So welcome, Mary. So glad you're here. Hi. You sound good tonight. The last time we talked, I think you were a little crusty, um, but not bad. (laughs) Well, there have been a couple of frosts here that have knocked down some of the pollen but trust me it still it still gets to me i probably sometime january before the pollen comes out again probably sometime january february i'll have my voice back full time well it sounds good tonight so don't worry about it (laughs) well it's, it's more important you know actually what the guest has to say rather than me but this has been this was your suggestion that we go into the little people and um, I know you've written a wonderful book on them, um, and it's the Cherokee Little People, and, and they're in North Carolina? Uh, they are. Uh, that's what I wrote about because I was able to talk to old-timers who had actually uh, firsthand seen the evidence of their little tunnels uh, that were like a network. It was like an underground city where Western mm-hmm. Carolina University is now um, uh, located. And uh, so I spent uh, many weekends, um, usually on Saturdays, uh, around people's kitchen tables getting the stories from these old-timers uh, who, uh, as far as I know, they have all passed on now. So I feel, I just felt very um, driven, really, to record their information because nobody else had recorded it. And uh, once, you know, once the people are gone, the stories are gone. And uh, so oh, I feel real fortunate that I was able to, to capture some of those. Well, what I found fascinating was that, that these little people, when, when, I, when I sat down, because I, I was going to you know, go through your website and do some Googling too so that I had some information on them. I, I have, of course, read your book, but um, it, it just seemed to me, okay, let's see what else is out there and to my shock and surprise and delight, um, turns out Tennessee has had had a, a wave of little people as well. And, yeah, you and, and I I'm spoke briefly earlier in the day, and uh, uh, you've moved right into a state that has little people just like North Carolina does. And, and really the little people would not have seen the borders that we have now and they simply were spread out in this section of the Appalachian Mountains, which are, you know, in Tennessee and North Carolina. And let's let's give people some insight into the size of the people we're talking about. Well, um, uh, going from a total different direction, um, you know, when you started talking about Tennessee, um, I pulled up an article that I did earlier this year, and what i was doing when i got the when i wrote the article was i was trying to go back into history at a time when people were eyewitnesses to evidence of the little people living in tennessee which you know which is where you are and where the conversation started to go 
And I was looking for the best source, and the best one I could find was a man who was actually a judge. His name was Judge John Haywood, but he was also known or is still known as the father of Tennessee history. So being a judge and having that title bestowed upon him, I figured what he had to say uh, firsthand would be um, perhaps a very credible uh, place to start regarding the uh, little people in Tennessee. And he described them as uh, uh, between uh, 2 feet uh, 10 inches and 3 feet tall, which is about the size that we got here um, you know, in uh, North Carolina. In fact, the little network of tunnels, uh, they are typically like uh, maybe two and a half feet across and about three and a half feet tall, and they're square cut with an arched top. So somebody who's only uh, two feet ten or three feet could easily go through a tunnel that size. Um, and they found these graves um, throughout uh, a certain portion of Tennessee, and the uh, the, the burial um, containers were typically two feet in length, 14 inches across, and 16 inches deep. Um, he specifically wrote about uh, the findings on a land that was owned by a man named Turner Lane, and he was uh, a well-educated person for the time, and we're talking about people who lived in the 17 and 1800s. Yeah. And he was a, a teacher in White County, Tennessee, and he discovered, um, uh, you know, a number of uh, what they called pygmy graves because the term little people wasn't really used at that time, and pygmy was. And uh, so uh, that's the the basic story that um, I did post on the website earlier this year. So if well, anybody wants the details, they later can go into uh, the website and find it. Oh, yeah, and and you, all you have to do is Google little people in Tennessee and you come up with some archaeological reports that are almost, well, they chuck a horse. Um, because it, I think it's it was important for people to visualize that these little people were about the size of a little toddler who's just beginning to walk. Yeah, or your tabletop is usually about three feet tall. Okay. So, you know, f- figure, I don't have a ruler with me, but it's a yardstick. It's it's mm-hmm. tall as a yardstick. And um, from, from what I could gather from the bones that, that I have read about, um, they were very much in proportion. They weren't dwarfs. They weren't dwarfs. They, the dwarfs have no. odd proportions, and, and the little yeah. people don't. Now, I haven't, you know, the reports, there were, there were three waves apparently here in Tennessee. One, the first one was between 1820 and 1850, the second between 1860 and 1880, and the third um, around the 1890s, so that, so that this is not just, these aren't just little, you know, isolated incidences. And in, in one place, and, and I was trying to leaf through my paperwork here, and of course now I can't find it, but, but they, we're not talking on, on a lot of farms. It, it was, you know, it was three or four graves. But then they found sections where there were thousands of them buried. So that, so that, and and what was interesting was they were almost they were almost buried in a sitting position and i i can't remember back to your book whether whether those um bones were in a sitting position as well 
um, the, 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 the uh, skeletons they found here were found when uh, people were operating uh, earth-moving equipment, and they kind of dug them up. So oh, by okay. you know they didn't know they were going to be there, so they wouldn't have discovered them in their burial position. They just brought up the uh, the, the small skeletons. Well, just between North Carolina and Tennessee. They had to have a really, really lot of these bones, and you know this is the time frame where where there was a um, a tremendous amount of activity as far as the discovery of the giant bones too, mostly in the 1800s, and 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 earlier, of course. But so I'm wondering, have any of these bones been carbon dated to to you know give us a time frame as to when they might have been um, functional within our within our locale? I was never able to find anything like that. Um, and what's really sad is that I, I, I was able to get reports from uh, a couple of graduates of the anthropology department at Western Carolina University uh, who told me, I believe it was in 2017, that the university had shipped off um, their, you know, their relics, uh, including uh, two giant skeletons. There was six toes each. Um, to the Smithsonian, which, you know, I find very regrettable because that is where all these giant skeleton stories disappear. And so we may never see these things again. Um, Some of the witnesses that I had interviewed early on had all seen this tiny skull that uh, one of the professors kept on his desk um, he very ignorantly called it a child skull because he said it was found in, in the Indian Mound on the campus. And it was actually a high school English teacher who picked it up one day and looked at it closely and noticed that it had all its wisdom teeth. So it was the size of a child skull, but you have to be pretty grown up to have wisdom teeth. Yeah, and uh, in, a, in a couple of the reports, um, that the, I read, um, they they said this, that the skulls were fully developed, that the, there was closure between the you know, right. you know how the brain closes up, that 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 way it was it was easy to tell that these were adults, and in many cases, in in a couple of cases, there was even gray hair attached, so that would suggest that the you know an age, um, right? Certainly not a child. So, right. But, and you know when it, the go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Go I ahead. interrupted you. <laughs> well, I think the other thing is that that it was fascinating that the Smithsonian did send people to look into it, and they said these were just you know children's. They it, they they discounted it and poo pooed it, and that was it. And anything sent to them has since disappeared. So that all we have really are the reports. Um, I, I don't know if I, I didn't read or find any evidence that, that people still have any of the bones, or I'm going to have to check the museum to see if it's still in existence. Um, and if it is, if, if there are any bones in it, I didn't get a chance to do that today, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't, because this report that I, that I actually printed out has, gosh, it has almost 60 pages to it, so I, I didn't get all the way through it, and I apologize to everybody for that. But it just seems to me that the Smithsonian, you know, went through a period of time where they discounted anything that, you know, said there was anybody here before Columbus. So 
you know, they they it is said and rumored that they destroyed all that evidence and I would tend to believe it. They certainly discounted everything and and left us all with, with bones you can't explain and, and I mean this is this is a people, this is a culture that and they did they did in one case they dug up a town and they talked about how it was laid out and um it was it was fascinating and, and there was a great deal around Monk's Mound too that that were found. So that there was there was a culture that existed here and I just you know, I'm I, I would really like to know where it fits in in the time frame of the history of this country. Well, I can only give you a clue on that. And um the Cherokee originated from the Great Lakes region, and nobody's been able to give me a clear date on when they came here, but it had to be a long time ago. When they arrived here in the the Appalachian Mountains, um, the little people were already here, and at first they called them the the Moon People, because when the when the Cherokee arrived, they would see these cultivated gardens, but they never saw any people. And then at night, these little people would come out from under the ground and harvest whatever was growing in their garden and then take it back underground, which is where they were living. And the Cherokee early on called them the moon people because they came out at night. So that gives you a clue that uh, they go back a very long time. I wonder why they would be living underground, possibly, I guess, because it's safer? Or something their size? I think that's a real uh, real good uh, assumption. You know, if you're little, and uh, if you're little, the, lots of animals and creatures can get you. And uh, that's that's one very, very possible uh, reason. Huh. Well, I was, I was fascinated with how they laid out their towns. And, you know, they did, there was one place where there, there was a town, and they had laid it out, and they had excavated it, and people were... You know, went and saw it, and you know, it's it's sort of like today. No, it it it's it's exactly like today. You know, they is had that an the anomaly. one that was around monks? Is that the one around uh, Monk Mound? Monk's Mound, yeah. Mhm. Okay. And and it's 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 a testimony to the stupidity of us even today, because. You see something that's an anomaly, and you don't think to preserve it. You just, you know, it's it's like an amusement park, and you go and you look at it, and you don't you don't try to preserve it. And it's what we've done with all of the chambers and the stone walls that are around New England. Nobody's working to present, you know. Well, people are working to preserve them. They're not doing a very good job um, because they're being fought by, you know, the government. Um, but. The chambers are, you know, people using them to keep their their garbage cans in, or they make them into garages, or they take them apart for patios. They don't mm. stop to think mm. that, you know, this is a part of our history, and and it, it's being destroyed, as are so many of the remnants of the little people and the giants. Mm-hmm. And it it's really it's a sad testimony to us because. We like to think that we're intelligent and that we 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 treasure history and we preserve it and 
and that just isn't the case. I mean, there are people that are trying. Well, one of my biggest disappointments when I was doing all this uh, interviewing of uh, the you know things that were found where Western Carolina University now stands, and it proved to be that the people at the university were more interested in getting new buildings built than preserving any of this. And so uh, one of the men who graduated from Western uh, told me that when he was still a student there, um, they were down by the, the river or the creek, you know, was, he was with his buddies, and the head of security came by and they just started a conversation with him and he was carrying a box that was a little bit bigger than a shoebox and, um, uh, you know, he was, you know, not even concerned about hiding it. He just said that this was uh, one of the skeletons they found while, while they were digging one of the foundations and he was going to take that over and rebury it uh, off a, a, a all-terrain vehicle path. And... Uh, you know, it, it it was just more important to build the stuff. Now, even when I was doing the early research on this, there were still three uh, tunnels that existed underneath one of the old buildings in on the campus. And if they had made efforts to preserve that, it could have been the basis for building a very nice, uh, archaeology department, you know, just uh-huh. that could be the impetus for it. And uh, they have, j- shortly after I learned about all this, they went in, not, there's no cause and effect here, but they went in and put in uh, uh, supportive uh, walls beneath um, the second floor. And so now there's a, a wall that separates the building itself from these tunnels. And there used to be a way that you could have access to it. In fact, some of these men who were involved in the construction on the campus uh, went to school in this old building, which was called the McKee Building. And, uh, you know, they were just ornery little mountain boys, and uh, they would hide packs of cigarettes um, down where these tunnels were. And they would enter it through the custodian's um, closet, and then from there they could get back to where the tunnels were. And so here's, you know, a number of men who have had witness to the, these tunnels since they were boys. And they used to play on what many people called the uh, the Indian Mound on campus. And they talked about how there was a, a hole in the, um, like a, a tunnel going straight down into the middle of this mound. And that the farmer took a number of big logs that would be, you know, six to ten inches in diameter and put into the hole so the cattle wouldn't fall into it. So these same men had ex- had seen that. And then later, these some of these same men, when they were doing construction and they would dig up these tunnels, they found out that the tunnels ended up where this Indian mound was. So the old-timers... Uh, absolutely believe that that was just a pile of dirt from these tunnels being built. Wow. Now, you spoke to a lot of people that had had seen the tunnels or, or, or whatever before the, the, the buildings took, you know, destroyed the stuff. Correct. I mean, they They were the ones that, you know, put in, 
you know, the original sewer lines or the original foundations for buildings. And so they were cutting into what should have been virgin soil, and they would find these tunnels. Well, what do the Cherokee have to say about them? I mean, they called them the Oh, they people, absolutely but... believe in it. And for the longest time, in fact, it may still be hard to get them to talk about it, uh, I think mainly because the white people poo-hooed it and made fun of them, so they just shut up about it. But once they trust you, uh, they will talk about it. And um, the uh, actually kind of a famous woman, uh, her, let's see if I can remember my information here, Sally was uh, a hero among the Cherokee. I won't get into his history. He was just a hero. She was the great-great-granddaughter of Sally. And so she, I, she's written up in my book, and she talks about the little people. And I remember we uh, got into a conversation with her about where do you think they came from, and she said they came from the stars, which is not so far-fetched because the Cherokee themselves believed that in ancient times they originated from the Pleiades. And they um, would hide their stories in uh, things about the seven sisters, the seven sisters refer to the stars of the Pleiades. And yep. uh, so it's a, a regular uh, belief among the Cherokee that both they and the little people originated from out there somewhere. Well, you know, I, was, I took a look at um, some of the, if you, if you Google, <clears throat> Google little people or pygmies, you know, you get pictures of African pygmies, which are not really the same as what I picture these little people as being. So it doesn't... Can I give you a description? Let me give you a description because um, uh, I've met people since I did my book who um, uh, talk about the Cherokee little people living now. And one woman, uh, and again, she was a very shy gal, and... Um, if I hadn't become friends with a friend of hers, I never would have gotten her to open up. And she uh, was willing to uh, let me interview her. And at the time I interviewed her, she was 22, and um, her family has a tradition of having, let's just say, picnics or clan gatherings in a remote area of the Cherokee Reservation. And they keep okay. uh, the family keeps a, a small trailer up there, so when they have these gatherings, they have, you know, a place to cook, a place, a bathroom, and all of that, anything they basics that they need. So when she was eight years old, uh, she and other of the kids were playing playing hide and seek. Well, she went to hide in the bathtub of this little uh, trailer, and when she pulled back the curtain. Um, I'm going to quote her now. She said, when I pulled back the curtain to step into the tub, there was some tiny dude behind the curtain. He just looked at me and grinned at me really big. He looked like a man, a tiny man. He was toddler size. He was wearing jeans and had dark hair that was straight cut like Mowgli in the Jungle Book. So if if you remember that character from uh, the Jungle Book, Um, you'll have an idea of of what he looked like. And uh, when I did the article, it's titled um, Woman's Encounter with Cherokee Little Person, and that, I believe, is in the 2018 uh, archives of the section on ETs and Bigfoot and and other beings. And uh, 
uh, you'll you'll be able to see a picture of him if you don't already know what he looks like. But she uh-huh. it's a, it's a, it's she wasn't the only one. Uh, her her mom had told her about uh, being in the same place and 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 playing in the on the trails with her cousins. And um, uh, once they saw six little people in a circle. And her mother also told her that in all of her life she only saw one girl. The rest had just been boys. Her grandmother had seen uh, the little people three or four times in her life. And um, one of the really different kinds of stories is that um, her aunt lived in Snowbird, which is uh, even more remote than um, the reservation here in North Carolina. And uh, the girl's uncle... uh, put flour all over the floor, I think, in the kitchen. He said, now just wait until morning. And the next morning there were little footprints all over the floor. So um, uh, just to prove that the little people were around. And then I've heard the stories from uh, people who to this day will still put food out for the little people. And they say that if they don't do what they normally do, uh, the little people will start throwing pebbles on their roof. So there is evidence or testimonies that there are still some stragglers in the area that are little people. Um, We did finally get a a somewhat convincing uh, photo, and um, this couple that live on a ridge not far from where I live have a webcam that they had set up, and it caught this, uh, it looked like a figure, uh, a nude figure, uh, in the woods, and it was kind of crouched down, and the uh, the man went and stood by the tree that where they'd gotten this picture of this little person, and he hunched down and measured, uh, you know, the height of where it was on this where this creature was on the on the tree, and it was you know proving to be in that three foot size, and. Uh, uh, the couple waited before they told me about it because between the two of them, they couldn't decide if they'd seen a spirit or if they'd actually seen, uh, you know, a, a little a little figure. And so what I did was um, I increased the intensity of the photos and so that anything that's alive will go into a magenta range. And that's what happened with this little figure. And by contrast, I also... Uh, took two uh, confirmed ghost photos, and it shows a ghost walking in, uh, crawling in front of a child on a floor. The child, um, if when I in- increased the colors, became magenta. The ghost stay- stayed the same. So whatever this little figure was, uh, uh, wasn't wasn't a spirit because uh, it went magenta. Just I don't know if I just made any sense to you, but. Uh, Oh yeah, no, it did. That, well, I, that's that's where I was going with my my question because Bigfoot has been, you know, a part of our history as far back as there's a record of history. Um, giants have been also a, a part of our history as long as there's been history, and and giants, uh, their DNA and stuff has, seems to have mingled with us and. Every now and then there's a throwback and, and, you know, there are people with the double rows of teeth and the extra digits and the same complexion and the hair and 
that are abnormally high. I, I mean, I think I knew some. Well, I did know um, Deb, who was who helped me out with the radio show for a number of years. Her family um, genetically had the double rows of teeth and the extra digits and the same you t- color. Double rows of teeth? That's really something. Double rows of teeth. And, wow. you know, the, <clears throat> they they had, the, um, Deb had it. Um, her father and several of her cousins had it. It was it was in her genetic makeup. And, With double um, rows of teeth, did she look really different? Well, they had it all pulled, you know, when she oh, was okay. a child. Oh, right. once okay. Her, once her real teeth, you know, her adult teeth came in, they they just pulled the other teeth. And uh-huh. and, and, and most of the people in the family had the extra digit taken off. So that, mm. you know, they, um, it, it, her size was not great, but she had all the rest of it. And because it was something that ran in her family, in their family line, and, and going way back, there was there was excessive height in in their family. So, hmm. I was wondering if if they were still around, and and if they perhaps were. At, see, I think Bigfoot is interdimensional. So uh, I'm wondering if if the same can be said of the little people that that they're still here, but we don't see them. Um. I'm inclined to think that they're quite real. Well, yeah, I am too. But that you know, in, you know I, I in, think in the three-dimensional world, just you know, just like we are. And I did, well, um, are... I did run into an, another uh, situation when I went out to visit, went out to South Dakota, and I specifically went to go to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Uh, did all the other tourist stuff in the area too. But I met a a young woman who um, came from a family where her grandfather had been a shaman or a a healer or medicine man, and her older brother uh, was at the same was you know is now, and she seemed to have some spiritual abilities. Um, I I got her loosened up so she would talk to me, and she told me. Two stories I found interesting. One time when she um, was, um, I think she was in her early teens, and she and some of her friends or cousins took their grandmother out to fish at one of the creeks, um, which are few and far between in South Dakota, by the way. And they set her up on a chair, and she could fish, and then they went uh, further down the stream so they wouldn't bother her and they were swimming, well, they saw something kind of out of the corner of their eye, like splash under the water and disappear, and there were bubbles, I believe. And so they didn't know what it was. They went running back to their grandmother. Well, the next part of the episode was that um, the grandmother caught a fish, and it was starting to get away, so she directed the kids to get in the water and catch the fish before it escaped. And uh, when they came out of the water with the fish, they saw these little tiny footprints going up the the bank. Now, that's one part of the story. Uh, The second part of the story is same creek another time. Her, I think it was a brother-in-law, and his buddies were uh, on the same creek, and they found a little cave um, by the side of the creek, and they went into it, and they found um, a small drum, 
uh, small arrows, small bows, and small quiver. And they took at least some of it and took it back, and they were showing it to their grandfather, who immediately got very upset that they'd taken it and told him they had to return it um, because otherwise there would be trouble. And there was trouble. Uh, Immediately after that, uh, they had a whole lot of, I won't say a whole lot, they had a number of their uh, sheep and different animals killed. Um, uh, Oh, wow. And it's sort of like, all right, you have to be sympathetic to the little people. They're little, and what can they do to keep people from bothering them? Well, that's certainly one way to do it. Um, but unless aggravated, sort of like the Bigfoot, they don't bother you. Well, if they are still here... But they're few and far between. Like that photo that I was telling you about that was caught on the cam. I started investigating little people in the year 2000. This cam picture was taken in in, uh, 2017. That's 17 years, and that was the first kind of any visual type thing that I've ever been able to find. Wow. I was going to say, they're probably still hiding underground, which makes it very hard for them to be found. Right, and uh, there's still remote areas in, you know, here in these mountains. Getting off the story just a little bit, not, I mean, if I was more nimble, I could probably hike up there myself, but I live uh, just to the south side of the Blue Ridge Parkway, and if you get off the trails, you know, back there, it gets kind of um, rough. And uh, one of the gals, who's uh, actually a yoga instructor and quite uh, physically fit, hikes these remote trails, and she came across something that looked um, what I called like a place where the Bigfoot would nap. And uh, uh, a number of years before that, just to the west of where she took this photo, um, two hikers had se- actually seen a Bigfoot. So if something as big as a Bigfoot can, for the most part, m- remain totally elusive, it's so much easier for a little tiny creature to do that. Oh, yeah. It just it blows me away that, that, that history seems to have kind of skimmed over the little people and... There were thousands of them here. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands. And I can under I, I can understand how because they were so small, they they probably didn't do very well when when full size people came around. Uh, but it just I I'm trying to figure out. I mean, Monk's Mound. We kind of know where you know that culture was time-wise but you don't have, we don't have the benefit of any of their legends or anything that talk about the little people the only place where there seem to be stories about them are with the, the native americans the, right. uh, the first families what, whatever their term is appropriate for now and i apologize if i've used the wrong term but i just you know it just it's so magical and you know, I, I don't know about anybody else, but but I'm at a point in time now in my life where I want to know what the history is of the place that I'm living in, and not just what the textbook says, but what the real 
stories are about the area and what what kind of things happened there and you know what was the, what was the history and and what Indian tribes were there if there were Indian tribes and 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 before that you know were they a part of a of a trail were they part of a culture were they and and it's amazing and I I highly recommend that that everybody sort of step back while we've got time with with what's going on with our lives to check out the history of of what has gone on around you that that didn't make the textbooks because to be honest with you I mean I didn't even know about the little people until um I got into the giants and once in with the giants I I found places and times where there were literally battlefields where the giants and the little people were involved in some sort of war because the giants and the little people, I believe, were here at the same time. Um, Well, since you're into history, let me give you another piece that uh, I think you probably have not heard about before. It was totally new to me when I learned about it. Um, I've done a a series of articles. It gets too in-depth to get into at this point, but... Uh, was contacted by a man who lives in eastern Tennessee, the part of Tennessee that is actually north of of uh, North Carolina. And he said he had little people living on his land. And I talked to him for a while on the phone, and he sounded credible. So um, uh, Evelyn Gordon and I, she's involved with the website, we went to visit his place, and he has like 200 acres on a very, very high rolling hilling, hill land that uh, overlooks a river and part of his land is like open pasture and most of it is in you know wooded land and uh, he you know I, I there was uh, you could there was a whole lot of stories I mean there's like four or five articles I did about uh, his land but that isn't where I wanted to take you right now the the man who owns the land um, says that he is part Uchi Indian. And he described the Uchi Indians, um, he said that they were um, people who had fair skin, would sunburn easily, and had light-colored hair and blue or grayish-colored eyes. They were about the same size and look as most Europeans. All right, he told me this, and of course I have to go on my own and check this out, and uh-huh. he said that there were uh, little people, and the little people on his land don't look like the Cherokee little people. They look more like um, Europeans. He described them as wearing uh, uh, leather pants or shorts that were more like the lederhosen and wearing uh, the double-breasted um, uh, shirt uh, like the old uh, cal- cal- I, I get two words confused, all, all the cavalry. Or Calvary. Anyhow, yeah, the one. I know what, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what stuff, my brain does. Yeah. It messes up the messes up the letters on those. And I found this all really interesting, but I'm only hearing it from one man. So at the time that I am trying to learn about this, uh, one of the country's leading experts on southeastern Indians, his name is Richard Thornton. He wrote um, something on his website. He had just written it at the time I'm poking into this, and he said that the Uchi migration legends said that their ancestors came by boat from the home of the sun across the Atlantic and arrived in the vicinity of uh, Savannah, Georgia. And he said that back 
um, in 2250 B.C., there was major massive flooding like in Ireland and western France and western Spain. And the uh, the, the black Irish um, uh, were forced to leave. And they some of them went by boat and ended up in the uh, harbor for the Savannah, uh, Savannah River Basin. Uh, so this the Uchi Indians could do things that the other tribes couldn't do. They served as translators for the different uh, tribes, but they also could understand German and can't remember what the other what the other language was. Shoot, can't think of it right now. But German was one of them. Uh, sorry, I'm just blank on it right now. So anyhow, um, I just found that very very interesting, and I had to entertain the possibility that we've heard the original little people stories as the leprechauns in Ireland. So oh, there is yeah. so if the Irish came here in let's say 2200 BC ended up over here and had some of the little people with them and then they migrated up the river into Tennessee, could that explain why those little people are totally different than the ones that we have here in uh you know, here in North Carolina, could be. And this man who still had some Uchi Indian in him, he, his his father and grandfather were all able to communicate with the little people. And um, he says for some reason his children are not able to do that. So there may be some kind of genetic thing that gets kind of worn out or diluted so much that uh, the bond breaks. I don't know. Um but it's certainly food for thought. Well, <clears throat> are you familiar with Laird Scranton? I'm not. Okay, he's written a number of books about the Maori and the cosmology of the Maori. And in his in his books, um, he talks about Scarabray, which is right off the coast of Ireland, I think, or Scotland. It's, it's right off the coast there. And it was a teaching site. And the teaching it was a teaching site where tribes sent um, initiates to that teaching site to be taught by wise people who came from the stars. One of them was a tall... A tall, a rather tall person, dressed in white, and the other was a very small, diminutive person. And the, the, um, the, the place where it was a place where people, they, tribes would send a person there to learn the secrets and the wisdom of the elders, and then go back to their tribes and share the, um, the wisdom with them. And that went on for generations, apparently, until suddenly the teachers no longer came. But you're mm. describing, it, it sounds like it's a little person. Mm-hmm. And this goes back way far back. Um, so that it, it's the same, part of the same cultures that, that apparently, and, and this is my link, not his, that, that we're also responsible for um, Gobekli Tepe. So I'm wondering if 
and I just made that connection. So I'm wondering if they may have indeed come from the stars and then, you know, some of them may have remained and, and started what became the little people that came across with the uh with the Indians, with the um that particular tribe. Uh, all of that is really possible. I know that in, somewhere in the back recesses of my mind, I remember reading um, that um, the ancient wisdom was taught by little people, I, maybe even going back to Lemuria, I mean going back a long time ago. So yeah, I they don't, were con- you know. I, I, I don't even know if I know how to dig that back up again. But it, like you said, it, it goes back a long, long way. And, but there yeah, were little that, people uh, all over the world. There were little people um, uh, in uh, the Yucatan and in uh, South America. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, it's not just one part of the world that's had little people. Yeah, the Hawaiians have, they have a special name for the little people, too. And that, oh, that would do. be a whole other thing to explore. They do. I, I think uh, not just Gates, but... Scott Walter um, did a, did an episode on it uh, when he was in Hawaii on vacation, and he he went into looking into the the little people then too. I'm wondering if they are just so ancient that um, we we don't even associate some of the uh, architectural things that are still around with little people. Um, because we just don't even think of that as a possibility, right? But but the uh, the um, village that the uh, the the things that they have unearthed at Scarab Ray are for little people. They aren't for mm-hmm. grown up people like you and I, and they are far more ancient than than a lot of the things around that have been discovered. So, um, and it, it's. To me, it's 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 sort of like discovering more magic about where you live. When you know, I moved to Tennessee what three, four months ago, and suddenly I'm discovering that there there are grave sites of little people all over the place, and they're interesting. The ones that that they're discovering here um, are kind of like um, pyramids out of stones that, mm. that, that they were they were buried in, and um, <clears throat> So it, it's it's kind of um, exciting to find out something like that for, for where you live, you know. And it's uh, to me, it, it gives you a, a greater respect for the area you live in, and it, it makes you want to dig deeper. I, I am going to check out and see if that museum is still here because that's definitely some place I want to visit when I get brave enough to go all the way into Nashville. I hear you. Uh, By the way, make a (laughs) mental note, uh, since you now live in Tennessee, that in the 2016 archives of the section we call E.T.'s Bigfoot and Other Beans, um, I've got six articles in there, and most of those, not all, but most of those, uh, four of those at least, are about uh, the little people in Tennessee. I'm writing it down now. (laughs) Okay, the 2016 yeah, I, archives of the Bigfoot Little People ET section. 
And then the the thing about the historian, I wrote that this year, so that would be, you know, in the current section. Yeah, I think I have um in the in the article I sent you, I think his material is um is quoted here as well. So um it's just it's I think it's another thing to to have people, you know, don't just don't just rely upon schools to teach you history because they don't. And right. you know, check out the historical societies of where you live and then go into you know, the archaeological stuff, and Google is a wonderful teacher. You know, you can find all sorts of amazing things there. And I, I find that, and, and Mary's book is also an amazing book on um, on the little people. Um, yeah, her and we get into some really colorful really stuff. Good. We have the kids in the basement with the cigarettes finding the, the, uh, the tunnels. Uh, and then we oh, have yeah. the, the stories of the moonshiners being up uh, you know, on the mountain, and uh, they discovered a, what they call a, a pile of little bones, uh, which they quickly covered up because they didn't want anybody to know about their still. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it, some of those stories get kind of colorful. Well, now, there is, um, at the college, the the entrance to the tunnels are is covered up, but they didn't destroy the tunnels, did they? I mean, there are still tunnels As, there. My, um, when I talked to the the head of all construction and facilities on the campus, um, he confirmed that everybody in his department had seen those and that there were three of them that still existed, um, like going out of the wall from the um, McKee building, from the basement. And um, so that was pretty recent. And from the time that I first started learning about this to the time I actually started writing it, they had built this new supporting wall. And the the supporting wall had to be built because originally the McKee building was only two stories high. Because we live in the mountains, they later went in and dug a basement out. So that's why they went in and put a, an additional supporting wall because they built the basement last. But the, it's the basement level where the where the, the tunnels were found. And uh, uh, the irony of it is on the inside of that wall is the uh, anthropology department. So <laughs> I, that's just as ironic as can be as far as I'm concerned. And they saved none of the bones that they found? Any bones they had, including what I'm told were two giant skeletons, had all been shipped to the Smithsonian probably about three years ago. Not real certain on the date. Well, they're gone. Um, mm-hmm. They're gone. It, it boggles the mind, and it's so sad because... It just makes our history richer. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't take away from anything. It just adds a greater mystery and, and excitement to, you know, the the the, the land that we're on. Um, the Smithsonian so, and the university, and it's not alone. Both of those I found very disappointing uh, because the the college was trying to build buildings and they didn't want their projects to stop but they also didn't want to upset traditional teachings. 
And that's the same thing with the Smithsonian and why they want to cling to something so strongly and they just push away all these things as just anomalies and just kind of skip over them is beyond me. I mean, there's um, they have found ancient pieces of engineering gizmos uh, found within a solid uh, coal, which means it goes uh-huh. back ages and ages ago, and yet they will dismiss it. Just, yeah, they, just they, amazing. They, they, they call them just out-of-place artifacts, which is... Right, and they just push them aside and keep pushing the same story. I found that very disappointing. Another thing I found disappointing about um, academic universities, uh, because at one time I thought it would be really great to work at such a place, but people uh-huh. become specialists in their one little area, they have blinders on to everything else, and the truly wise people not only become experts in their particular area, but they see how it fits with things beyond their little compartment. Uh-huh. Those are the truly wise people. But the ordinary educated people, they, their minds are boxed, and I found that terribly disappointing. Well, and, But, you know, it's... This country especially has blinders on. And, for instance, in, in Israel or even in Rome or in, in lots of other places, when they hit an archaeological site and they're doing construction, they stop the construction so the archaeologists can come in and can take Well, we're supposed to do, do that. Yeah. We yeah, are right. supposed to do that. It's just that we these people keep finding ways to, to get around it. They, yeah, they and and as a result, history is you know, pieces of history are chipped away and, and lost forever. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but I, I just noticed the time. Um, this is this is an amazing topic. I want to go into it further. I'm going to go into it further, and, and you know, I'll share with you whatever I find. Um, I, I doubt we're going to find any little people we can interview, but, you know, I'd love to find somebody, you know, still living that has seen them that I can feel comfortable about saying, yep, they, they're valid and they're not crazy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I asked the little people to help me with my gardens, and I know my gardens got help, but I never saw any footsteps or anything. So um, while I firmly believe that they helped me, I never saw them. I just felt mm-hmm. them. So, you know, I'm I'm not a good witness to this. <laughs> Well, it, uh, what's really great is that I have actually been able to talk to people who have interacted with them in some way or another, so there truly are some that are still left. They they are the remnants of some of a civilization that must have been quite vast. Don't you wonder what their historians are like? You know, I'd, I'd love Well, I hope they still have some. Yeah, oh yeah, true. But but if they're like if they're like um, the Native Americans, where where their legends are woven into their history with stories, I mean they've got to have stories as well. I would think. Hopefully, um, time. that would be really great if that came out. I will have to go hunting, Mary, someday. You and I. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, some of these investigations like the get kind of limited with COVID, you know. I just oh, can't get out and do some of the things I normally would do. I know. But it gives us time to plan. That's true. So, 
true. And that we can do. That but, we can um, do. I want to thank you so much for tonight. This has been so much fun. Um, well, have fun learning more about your, your uh, little people in your state. I'm going to. <laughs> Who knows? I and if anybody's interested, the name of my book uh, that is on this subject is um, Cherokee Little People Were Real. Um, and, and and it's like all of her other books. They're they're amazing books that you can you can read in in in, in a good afternoon. And my favorite, of course, is uh, Bigfoot Beyond the Footprints, um, which is a wonderful book. And I cried because it was so beautifully done. The the other books are very interesting, but my favorite. That's book the one that got to you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Probably because there there's such... more there's more of the real um, human interest um, qualities that come out with the with that book and the little and the big people or the big that's, foot. That's true. But they're all well written and they're all very very. Um, they're a great rainy day afternoon read and and the pictures and everything are just phenomenal. It's very much like your website and I, I want to remind people it's it's skyshipsovercashiers.com. And um, it, it's an amazing website that she has phenomenal information there, and it's it's worth taking, you know, a, a good cup of tea and a couple of donuts and sitting down and really spending hours diving into the material that's there because um, it's an amazing amount of work. Someday you should publish all of it in in a series of anthologies so that it's available out there on on Amazon. Wow. Well, you got a project for me, huh? Okay. Oh, well, listen, I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you so much for the invitation, and uh, uh, enjoy your explorations in Tennessee. I will. I'll keep you up on it, and uh, hopefully next month we can find another topic that's as fascinating because this one was really cool. All right. So everybody check her website out, www.skyshipsovercashiers.com. Fabulous, fabulous place to lose yourself in. And, Mary, thank you so much again, and thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, we'll talk to you again next month, and, and there are other Nightlight shows on, so check out the um, YouTube channel and see what Mark and I and, and all the others have been up to for the last little while. So that said, good night, everybody.